Good morning, and peace be with you. I uh, am glad to be back in town where God's natural air conditioning is in force today, but it's still hot for me. Um, Trace and I got back with the kids. We've met uh, John and Kelly out in Parker, Arizona, along the river, and uh, I told Susan this morning, there is absolutely zero chance that we will retire ever in a desert climate. It's just not going to happen. So, um, but it was a lovely time, and we got back safe, and my assistant, you can see, is not here today, so if indeed that is working and you're at home uh, the <laughs> watching this, there is going to be a disparity in the professionalism that was uh, being filmed before because I'm doing it today. But uh, I'm glad to see you all, and we have a really um, a good Sunday ahead of us, good teachings. And I want to also do a, put a, a caveat um, you, you've known me long enough that I kind of tease, right? You guys know or aware of that, I kind of tease. And, and so there's going to be a little bit of teasing today in the, in the sermon. Maybe not teasing in so much as I'm not speaking to anyone in particular when you hear what I'm going to say. Unless it pierces your heart and that's not my fault. That's the Holy Spirit, and I've been praying, do the gospel unto the hearer. So I'm nothing personal unless you take it personally. Then you get to blame God on this one. Amen? All right. Well, we'll pass out a little uh, 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 form here for you to sign and not hold it against me later. But um, Tim, get us started. Justice flows, your justice flows like the ocean's tides. I will lift my voice, and I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow. Sing together. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountain mountain. 
Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, grant us the Spirit to hear your word and know the one thing needful that by your word and Spirit we may, have, we may live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, and this can be found on page 24 in the Pew Bible. Genesis 18, 1 through 14. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. 
While he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three measures of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, now I will have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. We will read Psalm 27, verses 1 through 14, responsibly. It's printed on page 6 in the bulletin. Psalm 27, 1 through 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Is is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask ask from the Lord, Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My My heart heart says says of you, seek his face, your your face, face, Lord, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my my father and mother mother forsake me, the Lord will receive receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. 
Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false, false witnesses, witnesses rise, rise up, up against me, sprouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. The next reading is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 21 through 29, and this can be found on page 1832 in the Pew Bible. Colossians 1, 21 through 29. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the Church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to whom God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. According to St. Luke, from the 10th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and can be found on page 1613 of your pew Bible. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, 
or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This uh, gospel this morning does not mean that it isn't important to be hospitable and it isn't demeaning um, one sister over the other. But it is a, a message that is for all of us, exactly how Christ feels about this topic, topic that we're about to uh, discuss. And I have to tell you that today's gospel can make a pastor, um, not this one too bad, but a little bit, uh, uncomfortable. And the reason that um, a pastor might be uncomfortable is that Jesus said something in today's gospel that makes um, some people um, miffed. I don't know if it's full-on angry, but maybe, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that can pierce you. Jesus was, in a sense, he was conducting a Bible study in the home of Mary and Martha, and he said that Bible study is the one thing necessary. He said it. You can check it out yourself. Uh, I just read it, but that's what Jesus said. And so if there's anyone out there that's miffed at me, like I said earlier, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. So you go ahead and blame Jesus, because he said the one thing needed, needful is Bible study. So we note that Jesus did not say that Bible study was one of many important things. He did not say it was one of even a few things that are necessary. He said that Mary had chosen the one thing that was necessary. And we know that Martha invited Jesus to stay in her home, which is a good thing. And Jesus accepted the invitation. And that is also a really good thing. And then Jesus decided to have a Bible study, and Martha's sister Mary decided to attend. I kind of think maybe um, Mary was the little sister, and we all know, well maybe we don't all know, but the littlest, the youngest, is, always seems to get away with everything and not help. That's the way I take it. Well, the right, right there, with Jesus having Mary at his feet, that is also amazing. Because at the time, rabbis in the first century Israel, they did not teach women. Don't get angry at me. That's just what the history says. I know you're not. But they didn't teach women. And even so, despite the, 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 the norms of the time, here is Jesus giving Mary the right to sit in on his Bible study. And so here, here is where things get tough. 
as we read the interaction. Martha felt it was her place. <laughs> it was her place, her house, to scold Jesus and to, in a sense, attack Mary for attending Bible study. She literally interrupted Jesus and criticized him for not telling Mary to get out of the Bible study. And <laughs> you can read that again at your own leisure. I emphasis added for me. But Martha said to the Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I mean, that's pretty brassy, telling the Lord. Martha's literally scolding Jesus. And then she tried to boss him around. It's there. You heard it. You can read it yourself. I'm not making this up. That is what today's reading from the gospel really says. And the fact is that not much has changed down through the centuries. I have been a member of a few congregations during my life. And in every case, there were people who took the teaching in today's gospel to heart. And these people regularly studied the Bible with their pastor and other members of the congregation. And there were people who chose not to be in Bible study. And I'm not talking about those people that uh, could not come because of their health or jobs or other circumstances beyond their control. I'm, I'm talking about the people that... I'm going to look up here. I'm talking about the people who are perfectly able to come and to study God's Word, and they simply stayed away. And I suppose that we shouldn't really be surprised when people who do not attend Bible study, when they complain or criticize. After all, if Martha had the arrogance to criticize the Son of God for having Mary in his Bible study, then pastors should not be surprised when people criticize them or encourage them to attend Bible study regularly as well. Again, if we look here, that's what God's Word says, that one thing that is necessary. It is in today's Gospel. And you, you, you Bible scholars out there knew that story before I, I stated it. You knew what the, was said. And you know and agree that Mary had chosen the one thing, the one thing that is necessary. Okay, so if we have a problem with the idea that all Christians should regularly attend Bible study, well, if anyone has that that's listening uh, through the internet, if you have a problem with being encouraged to study the Bible regularly, then, then blame Jesus, because that's what he said. It is Jesus who is telling us the Bible study is the one thing that is necessary. 
And again, if you've got a problem, anyone hearing this, then take it up with Jesus. Okay. So why? Why does Jesus teach that Bible study is so important? Do you know? He himself, Jesus said, in John 5, verse 39, he said, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. It is here that Jesus teaches that the best way to get to know him is to get to know the Scriptures. And when Jesus prayed for his disciples, he also prayed for those who would come to faith through their message. Jesus prayed in John 17, 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Romans 10, 17, faith, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. The word is powerful. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to write this. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, he said, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. These verses and others like them teach that the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. There are no verses that tell of any other way to receive the Holy Spirit. The only promise God gives concerning the work of the Holy Spirit is in connection with God's Word, the Bible. The Bible is not like other books. Most books exist merely to transmit information. Even works of fiction are just as artfully designed, they're an artfully designed collection of the words and action and or thoughts of fictional characters and places. However, the Bible is not like that. That is to say, God's Word actually transmits its topic. The Bible transmits information like other books. That is true. And it tells us that the Son of God took on human flesh, that in the womb of the Virgin Mary and became a man named Jesus. It tells us that Jesus lived a perfect life of service to the people in his life. It tells us that Although he lived a perfect life, the authorities arrested him, and they found him guilty on false charges based on lies. And it tells us that these corrupt authorities managed to get the Son of God tortured and sentenced to death by crucifixion. The Bible does indeed tell us that when Jesus hung on the cross and died, that he satisfied God's wrath against all of our sins. And the Bible also tells us that Jesus did not remain in the tomb, but rose bodily, never to die again. The Bible tells us 
that Jesus ascended into heaven and that he will return on the last day to judge all people. These are the facts that the Bible transmits to us. However, unlike other books, the Bible does not stop right there. It is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit has promised to work in, with, and through God's Word. And because the Holy Spirit has promised to work with God's Word, God's Word does not just tell us about Jesus. God's Word actually is Jesus, transmitted to us by the Holy Spirit through the Word. God's Word does not tell us about forgiveness. God's Word actually is forgiveness, transmitted to us by the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. God's Word actually is salvation, transmitted to us. God's Word actually is eternal life transmitted to us. The Word of God is at work. That is what it means, that the Word of God is a means of grace. You've heard me say that. The Word of God is the way God actually gives himself to us. The Word of God is not a static source of information. Instead, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, we are not able, we are not able to travel halfway around the world and almost 2,000 years back in time to the site where Jesus earned salvation for the entire world. We cannot travel to the cross outside of first century Jerusalem where Jesus shed his blood to take away the sin of the world instead. The Holy Spirit transmits the forgiveness that Jesus earned for us on the cross into 21st century Westminster, California via the very word of God that Jesus says is the one thing necessary. God meets us across time right here right here in Westminster, right now in this service, right when you sit down in a Bible study, he meets you right where you're at. And we should not be surprised at this, for Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God created the world by the power of his word. He spoke, oh boy, he spoke us into existence. He spoke the world into existence. And in a similar way, his word creates faith in us. It also sustains that faith. As the Holy Spirit inspired Paul 
to write this in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul wrote, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to first the Jew and also to the Greek. If the Word of God is indeed that powerful, if the Word of God really is the means by which the Holy Spirit actually gives salvation to us, if, as Jesus says, the Word of God is necessary, the one thing necessary, then we would expect Christians to ask questions like this. Hey, pastor, is there any way that we can have some sort of a Bible study more than once a week? If Christians really believed that Jesus said what he said about the Word of God being the one thing necessary, then congregations would drive their pastors into a happy exhaustion as they taught class after class after class, feeding their members on good food, the good food of God's Word. Christians would look forward to retirement because they could attend an extra Bible study or two during every week. And the simple fact is this, that God delivers his blessings through his word. And when Jesus says Bible study is the one thing necessary, he is teaching Martha, Mary, and us that God delivers his blessing through his word. And God delivers himself through his word. And so when I or anyone else encourages you to attend Bible study, we are only encouraging you to receive more of God's blessing. We are only encouraging you to get more of God's power, more of God's forgiveness, more of God's salvation. We are encouraging you to get more of the God who took on human flesh and sacrificed himself for your eternal life. God's word has only benefits for those who are in Christ. There, um, there is a theological term that applies to God's gospel. And in that, that term is a gospel imperative. Gospel imperative. And a gospel imperative is something that sounds like a command, but it's really something that we already want to do. It's just, it's just part of who we are. And if I give you an example, um, a hungry family, imagine, is milling around the house and they're wondering what's going on and when they're going to get fed for about five, 45 minutes or something to eat. And then finally, the person cooking says, come and get it. Strictly speaking, this is a, a command. Come and get it. And almost never, 
unless they're playing a video game, almost never does one say, oh, man, do I got to eat now? Instead, they immediately comply with the orders of the head cook. They come and they get it, not because of the order, but because they're hungry. So in the same way, in the same way, with Bible study, our spirits are hungry. God feeds us through his word. It is the means by which Jesus reveals himself to us, and he showers us with his gifts. And we passively receive his blessing as he serves us. This is especially true of the blessings of forgiveness, the blessings of life and salvation that Jesus earned for us on the cross. You see, Jesus wants us to have these gifts. And that is the reason that he taught that his word is the one thing that you need. The one thing that is necessary. The Son of God has prepared the meal. The Son of God has said, come and get it. And the hungry souls come and get forgiveness. The hungry souls come and get salvation. The hungry souls come and get eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen.
song cries to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay Cause when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord and God Almighty, we gather this morning to praise your holy name as Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through another week of uncertainty, fear for our nation's future, and worry about viruses and other diseases. Thank you for illuminating the constant deceit and fear-mongering in our news media, the hate in our social media, and the sins we all commit in our daily lives against the backdrop of your perfect commandments for our lives. Thank you for constantly reminding us that we need not fear because you are in control of the world even where Satan seems to rule. Thank you for causing your word and the constant failures of human wisdom to be written down in Holy Scripture for our benefit, especially since we can't seem to remember the lessons you've taught us since Adam and Eve first walked the earth. 
Thank you for tolerating our stubbornness, relentless disregard for your directions in our lives, and petulant disrespect for you, the creator of the universe. Because of your great mercy towards your faithful in this land you have provided us, we are bold to ask that you save us from the evil forces surrounding us. There seems no end to the hate and destruction perpetuated by the faithless in our society. Their messages delivered in the mainstream media, social media sites, schools, and universities are very clever and seek to entice naive younger people into believing false doctrine, both secular and religious. Their numbers seem to grow as Christians fade into the background. Holy Spirit, embolden us to stand resolute against those who attack our Judeo-Christian values. They come directly from you and seek to destroy our nation. Grant us wisdom in our interactions with our enemies and protect us from their relentless attacks. Heavenly Father, we thank your Holy Spirit for our faith in your saving Son, Jesus. We trust in our heavenly future with him and can find peace within our faith, but you know our anxiety and fear during our time on earth. Please show us your almighty presence in our lives so that our fears turn to joy and contentment in the security you provide. Lord, we pray for government leaders and representatives who are faithful to your precepts for our lives. Please protect those who serve to protect their citizens and seek peace with others while causing the removal of those who do not. God Almighty, we pray for a solution to the various viruses and diseases threatening our world. Please guide us towards a solution to the harm being imposed on the world's population. We also pray for the protection of those facing the destruction of severe weather, drought, and famine. The world you created is hurting, and we don't know how to fix it, so we bow our heads in humility to you and seek your word to save all you have created. Thank you for our nation and the freedoms we enjoy as citizens, especially the freedom to worship you as you commanded. Our freedoms are under attack, and we pray that we are wise enough to recognize the many blessings you have provided, and will be willing to sacrifice our complacency to ensure the blessings of future generations. We pray for the safety of our military members, police, and firefighters. Please continue to shield all of them from harm and keep them honorable in the performance of their dangerous professions while serving others. Thank you, Holy Father, for protecting those who travel and take vacations from the troubles of our daily lives. Please cause their souls to be refreshed and bring them home safely. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of nature surrounding us, the mountains, the ocean, the sunrises and sunsets, and all the diversity of your creation around us. Thank you for eyes to see your handiwork and for focusing our attention, even if only for a moment, on your majesty. Holy Father, thank you for our church family and our pastor who preaches your law and saving grace in Holy Scripture. We pray for the safety of those who worship here and your protective embrace of all faithful wherever they are. We also give thanks for healing those among us who are ill or suffering. Dear Almighty God, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. 
Please give us patience to await your answers when your timing is perfect. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood that is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming back again. Let's pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is where God's Word connects with, in, on, above, below, side by side, all through, simple elements. But the key is God's Word, Jesus. And He comes and He meets you where you're at, right here at this rail, to receive His true body and His true blood, a means of grace that, you, that rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. And all we have to do to receive that is to be hearing for, come and get it, and receive. Well, come and get it. The table is prepared for all who believe. The ushers will bring you forward.
mercy through the work of his son and the Holy Spirit that you all responded some long ago some recently to come and get it that's as hard as it gets you just receive and boy am I happy to see you here and now and knowing that I will see you in eternity as well now the benediction May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. up my head I watched a mother wave to her daughter as she said you know I love you and I wish you enough the daughter replied with the same wish too from the security gate as she passed through from the look on their faces I knew it was tough as a mother took a seat next to where I sat I said I don't mean to pry, I just have to ask What did you mean by I wish you enough? And she said I wished her enough sun to brighten her world when it turns gray Enough rain to appreciate a sunny day her enough happiness so that she feels complete 
enough sadness to make her always stop and think. Enough hellos to get her through goodbye. Faith, hope, and love. And any tear she cries, that's what I meant when I said, I wish you would know. She told me more about her life And how her daughter didn't know This was a final goodbye The doctor said she only had a couple of months As I sat in my chair I thought for a minute About what she said And just how she said Her words were timeless And man, I was touched as the announcement came for me to board my plane I picked up my bags and as I walked away I said, man, I want you to know that I wish you enough I wished her enough sun to brighten her world when it turned gray Enough rain to appreciate a sunny day Sadness to make her always stop and 